I want to continue in the excitement uh, that Pastor Mauricio uh, was mentioning during hosting, and that is the season of blessing. We have been in this season where, yes, it has been a movement of multiple churches across different denominations, across different ethnicities, where we are all saying together, hey, yes, the gospel of Jesus is better than every other desire that we could have in our county. We are believing that the hope of Jesus is going to change our city, going to change our county. And what I love about last week is that, yes, we had the Thanksgiving blessing, but here are some of the details that I want to run back to you all so that you can remember. We blessed over 150 meal boxes uh, to the neighbors that came to our place. And if you did not know, uh, it was different this year. We didn't do Thanksgiving blessing as a drive through but we did it as a community center. And the reason why we did that is because CIL Church says... This season isn't about holiday handouts. It's about making relationship. It's about engaging people with the hope of Jesus. And what I've loved about last week was that I saw people praying for others about the things that were happening in their life. Literally, our people were moved by Holy Spirit that they knew things about those other people that they were praying for. God was giving them wisdom and favor with those people. And I actually got to have a conversation with a lady who was experiencing hopelessness. And she came up to me and said, thank you for seeing me as a human being. Y'all, that's good news. That's great that people are in this place, literally in this church building, and experiencing the hope of Jesus. And for that... Let the redeemed continue to give thanks. Can we continue to give the Lord praise for all that he's doing? Ah, it's just so good. It's so good that we are embracing into this season known as Advent. Obviously, you can see the things changing up here on the platform. You're seeing uh, changes in the lobby. We are encountering a season of Advent. Advent. And to start that season, we are doing a new series called Characters of Advent. Characters of Advent. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of preparation. And what I love uh, from an author, her name is Tish Warren. She says about the season of Advent, this is beautiful. We tend to think of Advent as the season of anticipation before Christmas. And while it is that, it's also much more. Throughout its history, the church has observed Advent as a preparation not only for the first coming of Christ in his incarnation, but also for his second coming at the last day. It's also about a third coming, the coming of Christ to meet us in our present moment, to make us holy by his word and sacrament. Did you catch that? It's a season of holiness. Advent is about the anticipation and activation of holiness in us and in our world. And like my family over at Thanksgiving dinner, it's for us to know, look, there's more. There's more. 
So today, go ahead and crack open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. We'll be there in a couple of moments. But as we are in this sermon series, i got to tell you a little bit about what we are doing in this sermon series. For the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at characters that during the anticipation of the first coming of Jesus, we're going to look at those characters as aligned with the themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. So today, we're going to look at the character, the prophet, as we look at the theme of hope. So would you stand in honor of God's word with me as we read Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16? Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16. And then we will skip to verses 23 and 24. Here the word of the Lord. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among the scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of cloud and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel and I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost. Bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. And then the verse 23. I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself. And will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and take a seat. And as you are seating, let me pray. Your word restores us. It renews our mind. It gives us hope. So Holy Spirit, by the proclamation of your word, would you give hope to your people today? 
help me in the meditations of my heart bring you praise. And may we experience with all the saints what is the height and depth and length and width of your love towards us. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. The sermon is entitled, The Hope That Cares. The Hope That Cares. Hope, rooted in faith and through God's word, is the expectation that all will be fulfilled and all will be made new. Hope is looking forward with confidence to a future that is good. Hope is the action of desiring what is beautiful. Hope is the subject in that which we trust. Would you know hope if you heard it? Would you know hope if you smelt it? Would you know hope if you could see it? If there's anyone in the scriptures of the characters of Advent that were holding on to hope, it was the prophets. The prophets were people who were dedicated to the word of God because the word of God gives hope. They had different messages, two messages to be exact. They had messages, yes, church, of judgment. They had messages where, yes, sin is real, and yes, sin has consequences. That they gave those truthful messages. While at the same time, they had a message of hope. A message of restoration. That God wasn't going to leave us like this. That God was on the move. And if there was any one of the prophets that understood this, it was the prophet of Ezekiel. Let's just take a step back for just a second and remember the scene in which Ezekiel is at, right? So the people of God were experiencing exile. They were uh, in a land that was not their own. Because remember, if we can remember back to our Bible quizzing days, right? Uh, that they were in exile because they sinned. They worshipped other idols. They worshipped other gods. They were called to be faithful to Yahweh, which remember is the God who makes relationship. How ironic. They committed infidelity towards this God. So they are now found in exile. This wasn't the type of people that would just skip church to watch Sunday football, right? This isn't the type of people that, well, they're going to go to church because Saturday football, right? 
They weren't that kind of people. They weren't honky-tonk people. They were holy people. Holy people. And yet they worshiped other gods. So they were moved by God's judgment into a land that was not their own. They had different names. They had different stories. They had different positions. They had different everything. The dreams that they had were not only stripped, they became useless. Useless. So they were in exile for 14 years. And then Ezekiel heard a message of hope. Church, 14 years. Can you imagine waiting for a hopeful message and you had to wait 14 years? The waiting was literally the age of a teenager. They waited that long. I don't know about you, but I need Sunday morning every single week because I need a message of hope. And they had to wait 14 years. 14 years. You know what was happening during that time? They had to sit for 14 years with the ramifications of what happened, how they got here. They had to sit with all the effects of sin. They had to sit physically, emotionally, with everything that had happened for 14 years, a complete disorientation of the senses. Some of us would call it trauma. They had to sit with trauma, where they were living in a present reality, and yet it was completely different both at the personal and communal level. I love uh, this quote uh, by Kathy Currith. Uh, she is a great speaker uh, into the psychological world as well as uh, in the Christian formation. She says this about trauma. Trauma occurs when the experience of one or more catastrophic events produces a variety of responses that continually disrupt normal life and results in both conscious and unconscious ways of continually reliving the event in an unhealthy manner. Maybe that sounds familiar. Maybe you can empathize with the people. They needed hope. They needed to see their experience in light of the larger story of God's holiness and God's covenant and God's character that he cares. God knows that their situation is dreadful he even knows what, how they were treated. If you even look at Ezekiel chapter 34, before verse 11, there is a language of how kings, with the, with the nickname shepherd, were how to treat them. But instead, they treated them selfishly, where they had all the things that they were meant to give. They brought it to themselves. They were abused 
by power. Kings were supposed to protect. Kings were supposed to provide. Kings were supposed to be present. So what is the very first thing in God's hopeful message that comes from the prophet Ezekiel? It's this, that God will take up that role. God will take up that role of shepherd king to rescue and care because he is, church, the good shepherd. He will take that role. Do you remember the story do you remember the story of the one lost sheep out of the 99? Do you remember that story? Do you remember how uh, Jesus would tell uh, that story? It's, it's in the, the Gospel of Luke, right? He's telling this story about lost things, right? Do you remember that story? Not if you say yes. Well, in that story, I just want to give a little different perspective for just a second. Maybe that sheep was not lost because it was careless. Maybe it was lost because it was struck by disaster and the only thing that it knew what to do for the sake of survival was run. Was run away in fear. Maybe because that sheep was traumatized. Maybe because that sheep experienced something that was just so difficult that he, that sheep couldn't be with the other 99 because that sheep was scared of the other 99 of how those 99 would view that sheep. So hear this. What do you think that sheep was experiencing when that sheep saw his shepherd coming for it. Hope. That sheep was experiencing hope. God is a good shepherd who comes, yes, for the one and the 99. He comes and cares with hope. He will search among the scattering. He will search among the scattering due to sin and due to the exile and bring sheep home. Home to a safe pasture. And he will do it with his justice. He will provide a future hope by his righteousness. He will do it. And you know who this good shepherd is? This king that Ezekiel is prophesying? Do you know his name? Jesus. Jesus. He is the one from the dynasty of King David. He is the one who's nicknamed the Prince of Peace. He is the one who's been prophesied for, the one who is called the Messiah. He is the one who will lead them out of the land of the dead and into the land of the living. He is the one who will provide an exodus again. He is the one. 
Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Good Shepherd. And he is, church, to you right now, even though you might not have carelessly walked away. Maybe you ran away because of a disaster. Maybe you ran away because of your brokenness. He is the one who's come for you. Who's come for me. And y'all not going to like it. But he's also come for your enemy too. He's come for the world. He, come for, he comes for the one who doesn't look like you. He comes for the one who doesn't struggle like you. But he comes. Why? Because he cares. He cares about the whole world. But he comes not like what Ezekiel would have predicted. Yes, Ezekiel pro- prophesied about this Messiah coming. But Jesus didn't come the way Ezekiel would predict. Jesus threw a wrench in it. I can't tell you how many times in my life Jesus threw a wrench <laughs> in my life. But he threw a wrench because he's going to fix some things. The way that Jesus would come, the way that this good shepherd would come, is not to rescue his sheep by his might. He would rescue his sheep by his love. He would rescue his sheep by his love. Why? Because this shepherd shows his love by laying his life down for the sheep. That was the hope. The hope that even Death, the sin that undid, I'm just creating words now, undid things. He would lay his life down so that sheep would have hope. Not optimism. Those words are not synonymous. Hope as in he is changing everything by his own life. So I want to share this with you. If there is anything that you need to hear besides the word of God, if there's anything that you hear out of my mouth today, it's what I'm about to tell you. So listen up. Look at me. And I'm even going to put it on the screen so you can see these words as well. Hear it. As long as you have breath, And as long as there is the name of Jesus, you have hope. You have hope today because Jesus is the Messiah. He rescued us by his death and he is resurrected. You have hope. There is hope because Jesus is king. For those of you who have been struggling in sin, there is hope because Jesus is king. For you parents, whether young, single, or been doing this thing for quite some time, there is hope for you and your kids because Jesus is king. For those of you who have been praying for someone who is not a Christian and you're just wanting them to experience the love and hope of Jesus, but you haven't seen any breakthrough yet, You have hope because Jesus is king. And they have hope because Jesus is king. For those of you who have been having health concerns, things that have just not been going your way, or even you have experienced death in your life, I can't tell you that that 
that you have hope because Jesus is king. If we don't have hope in that, then we don't have hope at all. You have hope because Jesus is king. This hope, this hope, let me actually, let me just say this. This hope is the only hope. Every other thing, one hope that saves. There is only one hope that seeks. There is only one hope that sustains. And that hope is Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. That is our hope. I mean, Paul even said it better uh, than I ever could. I love this. Uh, in Romans chapter 5, give me a second um, as I just pulled out my bookmark. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament, I believe. Um, but in Romans chapter 5, let's see here, he says this. I love this. You, may, you need to hear it, right? I need to hear it. This hope will not disappoint us. This hope will not disappoint us. Because why? Well, here's why. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Through what? Through a principality? Through an empire? No, through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hope is not in an election. Our hope is not in human achievement. Our hope is in the outpouring that comes from Holy Spirit. By the name of Jesus. So what do we do with this? Well, can I tell you, hope cannot be siloed. It must be shared. Hope cannot be siloed. It must be shared. Turn with me to Ephesians. Now they got my bookmark. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. It says this. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised his power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So can we all agree that Christ is the hope of the world? Yes? That Christ is the hope of the world? Well, hear this. You are the body of Christ. Yes, Christ is the hope of the world. And you are the body of Christ. Which means every time you open your mouth, everything that you do with your hands, wherever you go with these feet, you are presenting the hope that is Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell something in a moment of pastoral privilege, okay, to tell you this. Maybe some of us, 
won't share this hope. Because this hope will not give us the excuse to sin. Maybe the reason why we don't share this hope is because this hope will not give us the excuse to sin. To the brother or sister in the room, can I just say this one word? Repent. Turn to Jesus. This hope is just too dang good for you to continue to live in sin. I'm not saying this from a place of shame. I'm saying this from a place of victory as someone that is dependent on my hope, Jesus. Some of you, we're gonna go there. Maybe the reason why you have not shared this hope is because you believe hope is only for you and only for the thing that you believe in, the way of life that you have. There are a lot of broken people, church. We should know that. We came in here broken. So stop holding this hope to yourself. There are people, yes, that live life different than you. But Jesus didn't come saying that his holiness is going to be the thing that like a pride that like, hey, fix your life, fix your life, fix your life. He instead came with his holiness being rooted in hospitality. And he said, I love you. Love your neighbor, church. If you want to share hope, do it by sitting across the table with someone that you have a hard time giving hope to, but relying on the hope of Jesus to tell it to them. The hope of Jesus is not just for us. The hope of Jesus is for the whole world. All ethnicities. I didn't forget Aaron's uh, vision series where he talked about uh, a revelation church where all nations, all tongues, all tribes, you remember? Let's be that church. A hopeful I want to invite uh, Pastor Aubrey or whoever uh, is doing uh, this thing or this thing uh, up here uh, for a moment of response. And even uh, if they don't come up, or here he comes now. Um, I was going to say, I mean, I can pretend to make a strumming noise. I've only learned two chords recently, um, and I haven't learned since. Um, anyway, uh, as they're coming up, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story uh, about a college student that I met last week. Um, uh, one of my professor friends, uh, he asked me to come and meet with this student. And because I love him, I said, yeah, I'll meet with him. So I met with this student. We sat down and we started to, uh, I started to hear about his dreams and uh, his hopes. And then he started to tell me his story. Honestly, a story that I can't empathize with. And even some part of his story that I disagree with. He was telling me uh, about uh, the life of poverty in which uh, he grew up in. Uh, he was living uh, the kind of life and is living the kind of life where uh, he was studying and is studying uh, for two majors. Uh, he's doing all he can uh, to work an extra job, to uh, get food on the table for his siblings because his parents need help. And then he asked me a question, and I was not prepared uh, to uh, speak into this question. Maybe you've been in that place before. You have no purpose. 
I didn't really know how to respond to that, so I sat in it. And because I was in my feels, I was like, hey, can you, can you flesh that out? But in re- reality, I was, I was just feeling it. So he asked again, is it possible to be a follower of Jesus and believe that you have no purpose? This man had never owned a Bible. He never knew how to pray. And he's been uh, in a space like this for quite some time. And the only thing that I could muster up is to say this. You have purpose. And even before you follow Jesus, he loves you first. Even before you follow Jesus, he loves you first. We sat in that moment And to the questions that I said in the beginning of this sermon, would you know hope if you could hear it? Would you know hope if you could smell it? Would you know hope if you could see it? For this young man, I think what he was experiencing was hope. Not because of my words, but because of the words that come from this book. So church, I want to lead us to a time of response that maybe you are in a place where you need hope. Maybe you have been dodging Jesus for quite some time. Can I tell you, you can trust him? Maybe you have been in a place where you've been walking with Jesus for quite some time. But like that one brother who said, Lord Jesus, help me in my unbelief. Maybe you're in that place. Can I tell you, you can still trust him? So I want to invite our prayer partners up here. If you've been a prayer partner uh, in recent past, if you would come up, uh, or any pastor in the room. This is a time of response because we want to respond to Scripture, to the hearing of God's Word. So if you need to be prayed over, know that uh, these friends of mine want to pray over you. If you need to make your seat an altar, please know that everyone else, you matter, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let this moment pass. If you need to come up here to these steps, they're not just steps up to a platform, they're an altar for you. But respond in hope because you can trust this Jesus. Let's just take a moment to respond.